If you've struggled with stress, balance, or burnout, and simply feel discouraged or even defeated, and if you're ready to move from force to flow and enjoy ultimate Zen success in your career, health, or relationships, then the Zen Success Show is for you. Your host, Carissa Sims, is an entrepreneur, corporate consultant, best-selling author, meditation teacher, and healer who has found her own Zen success. Here's your host, Carissa Sims. Welcome to this week's episode of Zen Success. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Dr. Anita Sanchez. Dr. Anita Sanchez has spent four decades sharing indigenous wisdom with executives and their teams all over the world. Now she has written a best-selling book, Calling Upon All of Humanity to Remember How to Work and Live Together. Welcome, Anita. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Yes. And I love your shirt today, the embroidery. Yes. I'm wearing my um, mother's ceremonial dress. And uh, she passed in um, to the other side of the camp in nine, uh, 2008, uh, 2008, 2008 was the election year. And but she's with me all the time. But today, since we are celebrating Indigenous Peoples Day that happened on Monday, but actually for many of us, every day is Indigenous Peoples yes. Day. It's actually for all the beings day, right? Um, but especially at this time. So I thank you for noticing this because I, when I wear this, which I don't often accept in ceremony, uh, I feel I'm asking for the presence of the great mystery of the ancestors to be with us. Oh, amazing. So as you were saying that, did you invoke that or did you set that intention when you were wearing the dress? Is it just kind of like this energy that you feel or did you actually invoke that now for this conversation? Okay. It's a both and okay. it is a ceremonial dress. So when I'm, when I um, do pipe ceremony or uh, in gatherings like this summer, I've had, well, I'm constantly in, in different ceremonies with other elders. I'll wear this. And it is part because it's been in many ceremonies. Um, but I also invoked it specifically for for now. And of course, we need uh, we need to be prompting all of this now because amazing, beautiful things are unfolding. And at the same time, horrific things are happening, as we know, with war and, you know, in many arenas, um, strife and, and needless suffering that's happening. So um so it's important to us to hold the whole, but to remember where we're going. So when I wear this dress, despite, in spite of, not with disregard, but knowing that there's something greater, both seen and unseen, that we want to be present. And I, I want for your audience or for, for this beautiful work that you do in contributions to the world. Oh, that's amazing. I think I need one of those dresses. Yes. <laughs> I, I was like, ooh, I want to have that feeling every day, you know, to hold the space and and also um invoke new energies and and healing for humanity. Well, I just wanted to say yes. I had the pleasure. And the reality is, as yeah. you know, Carissa, we can all be. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I want you to finish. And we that. had a pause there. Something happened. Mm. Yeah. Let me do just a quick check. 
make sure I'm on the right because it's probably not you. Well, could yes, be it my... was me. Oh, Thank okay. you for being patient. Two different internet connects, and now I've got it to the right one. So, yes. So go ahead. Okay, good. Well, you were just going to share some wisdom, as I was saying. I wanted to have a dress like yours. <laughs> Do you remember? Oh yes. Well, I what I would say is. Um, well, this is the only dress I got for my mom. So <laughs> we will get this one. However, I think what you're saying has a lot of importance to it because the way our mind works that we can, um, you know, bring forth things. It works with images. It's not so much with words, uh, images, sounds and that. And so whatever that is, like I look at your background, the beautiful peace flags. I look at the, uh, at your whole face and the spot there, and then the drop. You know, all of these things, all of these are not just things. These are awareness being conscious of what we're doing. So um, you don't have to be indigenous. You don't have to have this amazing mother who passed on her ceremony account. We can create those for ourselves. And I invite everybody to do that, whatever. The, and it could be just a, the son. It could be a four-legged relative, a pet that you just absolutely adore. Um, that we can use all sorts of things. And, um, and it's important to do that. We need, we need those. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for that reframing, that it can be anything. And it's just what you label it and connect with that what you associated like your pet unconditional love, and um, staying in that space. So beautiful. Yes. Yes, that's true. And as you're saying that, I'm reminded, I invite people to do this, especially morning people. So it's nothing to feel guilty about. However, I'm a morning person. <laughs> oh, good. Me. All right. So for 22 plus years, shortly being 23 years, I get up every morning to greet the sun, no matter where I am. Mm. So that's why I say you kind of have to be a morning person, because sometimes that happens in the morning. <laughs> And sometimes yeah. like now it happens like at 7.05. So I'm sort of like, but I, I'm a morning person. I get up at five, a little before yeah. five every day, uh, but I have to go to bed early. But what I do, and so you can use any process. You can use the moon as well when the moon is out. But every morning um, in my tradition, what I was ta taught was that the sun is again, is a symbol of life. It literally gives life just as water and other things do. And, but the sun does not, discriminate it does not separate as the earth moves it gives sun to everywhere that's there it doesn't say oh no you deserve this and you just know and you're this so you're you were here before and it doesn't do any of that it's just there so every morning i go out um right before the sun rises my four-legged pet dakota comes with me and we chant to the four directions giving gratitude to the great mystery and then we just stand in silence. He's beside me. He's learned to turn and he stands there. He's two years old. He's a COVID puppy who just is used to being with me all the time. And we just receive the seeds of light. So if you wish to do that, don't look directly at the sun. Although that early in the morning, probably is not going to hurt your eyes, but don't tempt fate. Um, just receive the seeds that come yeah. off and you will see that. And it look, it changes. It changes to more. It just has different uh, the amount of seeds, the the softness and spread of it. Um, and I just quiet and receive that. And in doing that, what I'm reminded of is that I'm a member in the hope of life and I'm receding without any separation the sun. May I be in service. May I be in connection with everything throughout the day. 
in that respect, in that knowing that they are a relative, that being. And that being is whether it's a human being or a four-legged, a winged, a creepy crawly, water, fire, all the different elements. And it just I, it makes me happy. As you can see, I can't help but smile when I think of that because I can I can feel that in me all day long. Um, and it's really fun when you get up early and the moon is still out. You can put your hands in both directions oh. and receive the seeds from both. Oh my God. We have abundance have- here, as you know. <laughs> you have so much abundance. I did. Well, I didn't do the ceremony, but what I did, I, I get up super early in the morning, like you four or five and I went running and it was still dark and the moon was there and the sun was rising and and I didn't do like a proper ceremony, but it just felt really special. And I just stood there for a moment to appreciate the contrast and the beauty. And, and, it, and it was just amazing. It's so amazing. That's it. That's part of just reminding. So you are part of not separate from, and there's yeah. a flow that happens. And when you're moving like that, because um, what makes me think of you're doing that is you're being good medicine. So mm. part of my desire in life uh, I'm, I'm feeling my mother and my grandmother. Um, there's oh, a, I'm so happy you that be, you're here, mother and yeah, grandmother. Thank you for joining yeah, us. Yes, they are here. And the, the the teaching always was that in every breath, in every thought, in every action, we can choose to be good medicine or bad medicine. Of course, with all the things that have been going on late, we think of medicine as a pharmacy and all that stuff Western is, is fine and good. And we call on that when we need it. But the kind of medicine we're talking about as indigenous people is anyone or anything that puts in alignment, the spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical bad medicine is anyone or anything that takes out of alignment, the spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical. And so that's, you know, I like to think about when you're running and feeling and being conscious of everything that you're being good medicine, you are being part of in action with that alignment. And that feeds that. So in tough times, in challenges where it's very human and natural to just, you know, drop into that, if you do into separation and stuff, it will not stay there long because you remember it's in our DNA and we've been bringing it forward. Oh, wait a minute. I am choosing to be good medicine now. And I would say right now I'm, I'm watching so much. I want to make it in a real practical sense. It is in just terms of you, you personally, but in a collective sense, I've been watching and the various groups I belong with and some of my business clients, like, what do we do at this time with war happening in several places and just the horrific images of what took place um, by militants in Israel and, and on and on. And, 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 um, you know, I don't have the answer. Uh, What I do have a sense of and being a member of the hoop of life is that there are many uh, levels in which we need to work peace and unity within ourselves. Also though, and externally, there are really long-term things that have happened to different people. So we send specifically prayers and light and good wishes and safety to the people in Israel. At the same time, we know with the Palestinians. And so we send that safety and light to them, not disregarding the horrific things that have happened over thousands of years to the Jewish people, but also to understand that this peace and unity 
we want for everyone and everything. And then we get into the action that makes sense for us in terms of being that good medicine. Um, and for some, that means being in prayer and sending blessings, others sending money, to, you know, all different kinds of things that people do. Um, sending to your politicians, asking for at the business place, starting to collect funds, you know, um, to, to be able to help with, uh, with various things. And I'm seeing also uh, in the Middle East right now, uh, in Israel, people giving blood and they're not all Israelis and they're doing that. So it's a way to acknowledge that we are connected. And so what we want ultimately is good medicine for all of us. That is a thriving world for the earth and all the beings on it. So that may be a little bit more than I had originally intended to say, but it feels so important at this time because it doesn't matter what your focus on work, uh, home, family, your own self-growth and development, or the, the things that are happening around the world that we're also connected to. Um, that's a process that I go through all the time is I need it in this moment, in this breath, in this thought, in this deed. Am I choosing to be good medicine or am I choosing to be bad medicine? And if I'm operating out of bad medicine, then pause to make a conscious choice that's not just triggered and reactive, but is in response to being a member of the hoop of life. Wow. That was beautiful. I felt like that was an inspirational talk that I needed to hear. And and you said the hook of life. Is that what you're saying? The hoop of life. The so, hoop of life. The hoop of life. So growing up, my <laughs> uncle, my uncle in um in Osage, I'm not Osage, but my my grandmother's cousin was mm -hmm. married to an Osage. So we used to go to Osage, Kansas, um, when I was growing up in the summer. And he would always teach us about the people and put his hand in a big flat circle, not like this, but in this flat. And he would teach us that, you know, the hoop of life are people, the earth and spirit. And mm -hmm. all of us are one. No one's higher. No one's lower. We're, that's our creation story. We're all connected. And so to be a whole human being is to be live in harmony and balance with yourself, other people, other two legged all the other beings mother earth and then spirit and if we hurt anyone we hurt all mm. if we love and care for anyone we are love and caring for all so that way we don't have to be overwhelmed however we are meant to be in joy and responsible action being a member just by being here being a member of the hoop of life oh wonderful thank you for clarifying that and that's so beautiful and also for ourselves, you know, it's, Absolutely. I mean, we are a part of that as we treat someone, it's like hurting a part of us, which is a little bit profound and, and big to think about, but it's that like common thread and, and connection that we all have. And then we may not realize that. And this, this whole thing that you brought up about Israel was coming to me this morning. I don't normally watch the news. Um, but I did see, uh, as I was at the gym, Israel call to action. And I thought like what you were saying, what is my call to action? And you're giving all these like incredible ways, because I think it's important to, like you said, to be in action and be in your heart because it's there, there's so much, um, fear and anger that I, I feel like also part of my role is to inspire people to be 
compassionate, be compassionate and send love to, to neutralize this energy so that we can not be in conflict with ourselves and also see it manifest in the world. Yeah, you you said it beautifully. That that is it. We that we each have a role to play. Some will say it's a huge role. Some might say it's a little role. It doesn't matter, huge or small. It's your role, and it begins with: Am I in harmony? Am I in peace with my own mind, in my heart, in my spirit, in my body? Am my values? Am I operating out of alignment of that, or is it out? And all that is not to say I'm a bad person, or it's just say. This is opportunity. Uh, you're, you're being called to get that alignment. And that's in relationship to the huge global events that are happening. But it's also re- in relationship to your home and all the people you touch in your community and in business so much now, too, where business leaders are called on to. They're really expected on the polls after polls says, say that, you know, they expect business. We expect business to solve a lot of the global problems, whether it's climate or um whether it's social injustice, whether it's gender issues, you know, that go with that, all hunger, all sorts of things. And rather than going, well, no, I just have to look at what I'm doing here and making this product profit. It's like, no, wait a minute, this is all connected. So what is mine? And so that pause and that reflection, what happens is we, whatever our role or position or whatever sector we're looking at, we can find ways to be a life-giving force in the hoop of life. And that's, that to me is like uh, good enough to want to wake up every day that I'm part of this hoop of life. And I get to, I get to make this choice and connect with others um, that are, that are doing the same. So it's pretty exciting. That's amazing. And uh, I'm getting a little bit emotional, (laughs) feeling all teary, because I feel like it's so true. And you know, as an entrepreneur and all the business owners, entrepreneurs out there that might be listening to this, hear this call that Anita is calling to you now, feel it in your heart that it's not just about like getting it out there with a profit. It's how are you helping to change humanity in your way? Maybe it's the energy that you put into it. Maybe it's your mission, how you're giving back. Maybe you have a nonprofit associated with that. And, um, and and I do kind of see that trend and maybe you're helping with that as you consult with businesses, right? Yes, I do. It's that I work a lot in uh, helping support inclusive leadership, uh, inclusion leadership, which is that means that there's a a mindset and a worldview that you're connected to everything. So whether it's in conversation with a coworker or an employee or even your boss, yeah, is it, it are you co-creating? Are you in alignment? Are you really talking through, speaking your truth with compassion? You know, with the idea of together what we can co-create is 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 so great is nothing is impossible and i really believe that um that we can do that so it's it's very important uh and also relieve some of the burden because what happens we're taught so much um i think in the mainstream that there's this hero thing there's this victim perpetrator and hero and so many of our leaders, we want to be the hero and take on everything. Now, wait a minute. Yeah. I mean, we that's all, a societal pattern. Yeah, that's that a societal have. pattern. And it's one that's rewarded. But yeah. what we need to be rewarding now it are those individuals, those collectives that look at, wait, we are a, 
uh, part of this whole. And so what can we do and do that through modeling? So giving affirmations, uh, appreciations to people in your workplace who you maybe you don't usually do. I'll tell you just yeah. even something like that, whether you're a coworker or the boss or whoever, um, that it, it, it multiplies mm. that people, all of us, actually all beings want to be acknowledged, respected, seen and our contributions. So I, and I'm talking to you, I'm so aware because I'm in the foothills of the Rockies in Colorado and I, outside I'm on the foothills. So all these trees and as I'm breathing, I'm a, I like to be a fast talker from the Midwest <laughs> and I slur my words. So it's not, you didn't have a problem with hearing hook instead of hoop. Cause I swallow sometimes when I get excited, but I'm thinking about these trees and like, I'm breathing gratitude to all of you, the plant relatives who take my carbon that I'm putting out, you know, transform it into oxygen. And we have a relationship and literally that intimate of a relationship we have with everything. It's just that we don't we don't put it up in our consciousness. And there again, why you know I have things all over this wherever I am, and what I carry with me and what I wear is always something to remind me at some level. Like remember, you're a part of. Don't fall into the illusion of separateness. So even if who who's listening, if you're an entrepreneur, you might say, oh, well, this you know I'm just starting out, or I'm just this little thing, or I I do this. It all matters. You're here for a reason. And so the more that you come and listen to uh, Carissa's, you know, a podcast and get inspired by her and others and, and the other things that you do and read and listening to a child, listening to the birds, this, all of this you can do with a consciousness that is actually building your strength and resilience too. So when met with challenges, that again, you can be there in a proactive, get good medicine way rather than triggered and reactive. And even if you do that, you can forgive yourself pretty quickly so that you can use your energy for what we want to create. So I'm saying that because I don't do it all the time. I, I practice, practice, practice. But what I do know after all these, these practices is that when I fall into being human and the, 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 the getting caught in the downward spiral, I go, oh, I know this. And I'm not denying the tough things that are happening. Well, let me rise through that with compassion. And what is mine to do now? It can be also bringing that along. So that's how I do a lot of inclusion leadership um, inside of corporations and organizations uh, to help bring that in a collective way so that people know individually and collectively we can do so much. Oh, that's amazing. And I found myself a little bit distracted because I'm like, oh my God, where is she? Where, where do you live? Where yeah. are you connected? Yeah. I'm in Colorado, in Boulder, Colorado. So I'm right You're in Boulder. Way. Yes. Which oh I my God. Okay. I'm like 20 minutes away from you right now. I live in Lafayette. Oh my gosh. Oh my we'll God. have to have tea sometime. Yes, please. Let's do I can't believe yes. we didn't realize that. No, we, I didn't. And all the other groups that we're part of and been part of uh, conversations as you've, um, well, the last thing we had together, weren't you um, uh, moderating? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, it was. Yeah. I was interviewing you for the global yeah. oneness summit yes. and, you know, with Dr. Sue Mortar and yes. Marcy Shimoff, a, a wonderful group of powerful women. And Deborah Poneman. Yeah. It's just amazing. Deborah Poneman. Yeah. yeah. And, and I really felt your calming, clear energy 
And I just never asked you where you live. Yeah. Well, good. So we share, you probably can look out then and you can see the foothills. I was like, oh, that's, that's familiar. <laughs> Very familiar. Yeah. Good. So now oh, that's wonderful. Steve. <laughs> yeah. And um, do you get together with Steve and, and the group for humanity yeah, team sometimes? Humanity team. Yeah. Steve and I have been together. Um, well, they, uh, let's see, I guess a couple of months ago, I said yes to being on their advisory team. And oh, um, yeah. so he'll, he calls on me when he just wants some advice and then it sort of opens it up. If my calendar is open, then I do whatever I can, because I particularly like his, the mission It's for everyone, but in particular in being a leader, a leader of your life, but a leader in business. I mean, he's done all that and he continues to be that, but understanding that you don't have to do it through separation. And so much is being called, especially when we think of mother earth, uh, there, you don't have to call her mother, but I do. She's my first mother. And so I try to walk on her softly. And But for business people, you're being called through laws, through your own conscious for wanting uh, a world that's thriving for your children, grandchildren, and other species, children and grandchildren, to do things that are environmentally generative, you know, that aren't, you know, depleting. And, um, and so there again, this whole worldview and mindset of the connection will help you do that. And I'm really excited because I see entrepreneurs, small businesses, and definitely some large corporations who, who are now having seats on their board for indigenous indigenous people so that they can bring that, uh, women, people of color, uh, GLBTQ. And yeah. it's not about- I really wanted to Yeah, everyone. But some are actually putting a seat there that looks empty. But to remind us, wait a minute, did we take into account the earth? We're giving oh. voice to the earth. And I, yes, I love that. As um, as people begin doing that, leaders taking that step, it's just so, it's so important. So our well-being is important uh, and well-being isn't separate from profit. You're, if you take care of the well-being of yourself and model that and take the well-being of all the people you work with and all the beings that we draw on, the trees and everything else, then we have well-being rising and expanding. Uh, and you make a profit. We know that now. We know we have research for decades now that show that the more inclusive your board, the more inclusive your executive team, your R return on investment can be as much as 20 to 34% higher than in your sector. And go check on that. Wow. When you heard that from me, please check on it because you'll go, <laughs> wow, why didn't I look at Catalyst? Or why didn't I look at McKinsey? Or why didn't I look at Deloitte Touche? Uh, Deloitte, uh, um, and see that their stats with their finding. And you'd go, well, I want well-being for everybody. So maybe I need to start including that and starting again with yourself. Am I aligned? Am I good medicine to myself? Am I in alignment, my spiritual, mental, emotional, and physical? And if not, then good, you're aware. So now you take action to bring that into alignment. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, a, another part of me is I consult with corporations to do ergonomics and wellness. Oh, yeah, nice. I have, I, I'm an occupational therapist. So, so I found that sometimes when the corporations that I worked with really put their people as a priority and their safety and cared about them, that their injuries also go down. Absolutely. So 
in addition to everything you're saying with productivity and yeah. um yeah and well, just and injuries go down that means that they're doing more productivity they're not all right. being injured and our health costs so much that they're not off doing that so that means like pause at times let people have breaks because mm-hmm. that that time to drink water to have a friendly conversation that is rejuvenating and we'll cut down on what you're doing, but I'm glad you do ergonomics and all the well-being. I'm yeah, I do it occasionally. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just, you know, it's my past. I don't know. I did a lot previously. I'm, I'm doing different things now, meditation yeah. and healing, but I still enjoy working with corporations. So, you know, I still have a few clients in, in the, in the field, but thank you for saying that. Um, yeah. And, you know, we got sidetracked on this whole beautiful conversation and like going into corporations and their health people, planet profits. And I I wanted to talk about your practice where we introduced you and you were talking about the sun, because I also feel that sometimes society demonizes the sun, like, oh, get out of the sun, like put sunscreen on. I'm sorry. And I just felt, I felt like I wanted to bring up the contrast of that because I've heard that there's research to support if you close your eyes and actually turn towards the sun, that you are training your body. Obviously there's the connection with the earth and the sun and modeling the sun, mirroring how the sun is non-discriminatory, but, but also that there's medical benefits that it can actually reduce sunburns. Have you heard that? Yes. And you're not talking about being in direct sun at the height, but it does. In the morning, you're right. Yes. In the morning and vitamin D or late in the day, Mm -hmm. you're getting all of that. And in, and and the thing is, uh, it's it's not woo woo because there's science and all of this are impact on each other. Like we'll have to get together, but we know within 12, eight to 18 feet from research, we are impacting each other's heart rate variability. Oh my God. I love that research. I I go in and I hook people up and we'll be doing that. They're like, what is that? So you just, and everybody starts seeing how, well, it's smooth. And then we got into this and it went off and off. And it's like, well, just pay attention because words matter. Thoughts matter. Uh, images, keeping in mind what your vision is. So we may have take a long time to get there. And obviously back steps where every few steps we go forward, but nonetheless, you keep that in mind and you find that health wise it's there. Uh, and you just brought in another story. I hope you I hope it's okay. No, uh, I love it. I'm just it. coming through. So uh, another story about the sun that I got so early, I was, um, I was uh, four years old. My little sister was a little over two and my older sister was seven. And we used to go to my grandmother's house sometimes on weekends. And we loved that when they let us do that. And this one weekend, she had us there. We got there. And where is this? Where'd you In grow Kansas up? City, Missouri, I grew up. Cool. And um, so she said, she always gardened. So she said, it was August, a hot, humid, you know, Missouri. And um, she said, okay, tomorrow we're going to wake up before the sun comes up. And every hour, I'm going to take you out to my garden and you have to be silent for five minutes. Then you can go play and help me with cooking or whatever we're doing, having fun. But then you go back and five minutes, you need to be quiet. Well, even my two, two plus year old little sister, she was pretty darn quiet. We always loved doing my grandmother because she, she was amazing. So 
the story, not the story, the experience was we go out, we go out, we stare, and then the sun rises. And you know what happens? The sunflowers turn and look at the sun. And every hour we come back and we'd have to stand a different way and a different way because they're following the sun. They're following the light. Oh. And I remember at lunchtime, even before I was like, I'm hungry, but I want to go back out to the sunflowers. It was so cool. It was like oh something else was happening. She I didn't never, even know she that never, that happened. Yeah, I know. She never debriefed. She never debriefed mm. anything, but we did that. So then nighttime comes, it's, it's getting dark. And she says, okay, come in let's have dinner. So we had dinner. It was kind of late because sun stopped. I mean, late. And then she grabbed the flashlight and she said, hold hands. And we went back out to the garden. We're like, there's no moon out. It's really dark and it's beautiful. You can hear the, um, the crickets and everything. And we're by her garden. And so she turns on the flashlight to the ground and we realize we're in circle. And then she just turned it over to the sunflowers and they were looking at each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is incredible. I know. And we, oh my God, a, that's like a children's book. I feel exactly. like you need to it's make a, it's a children's a great, book out of that. Yeah. It's Story. a beautiful, that experience. And this is how I learned growing up because my grandmother, um, she, I don't think she ever went to formal school. Um, in fact, I know she didn't. And my mom only went to seventh grade, but both of these women in my life, I would, any PhD would just fall in love with them because they're brilliant. Uh, but they're brilliant. And, you know, there's all sorts of types of intelligence and understanding our relationship. Uh, understanding who we are and what we are. Those big questions that people go and study forever. I just felt like they just got it. They knew and they could transmit it. So we never debriefed it. And I'll till this day, that story, I tell it a lot of places, but when you were talking about the sun, that's it. So one of the learnings about it is that they turned to each other. We were standing in a circle. And I remember in the darkest darkness, when you can't see the sun, when you can't, that's not the literal, but we can't see the light, turn to each other because we're light. You know, the, there is a call for the collective to remember we're not solo. We do nothing alone. We get lonely. That's a human condition. But we are so supported in breathing and everything else. So turn to each other and be that light. I love my grandmother. <laughs> She's amazing. <laughs> my grandmother, my abuela, Adina. Oh, beautiful. Is she, is she here now? Does she want to share? Uh, she, she left in the 60s, and but she she kept her kept the ceremonies going as best she could in teaching us. Um, she spoke very little English and mostly Spanish, but she would do different ceremonies and show us how plant medicine, cooking with using canela, and different things for when our stomachs hurt and getting rid of cuts and without using, you know, pharmaceutical things. She was, she was a curandera when she was in Mexico. She comes from a line of that. So, um, but just the, the wisdom and every, sometimes that's just, I'll be in corporate with all my certificates and my PhD. And I don't, I don't mean to belittle them. They're really important. And what comes through often is the weaving of indigenous wisdom because people get that they understand it even intuitively because yeah. we we are we're part of this we're part of this amazing place <laughs> and maybe you're helping them remember mm -hmm. maybe they have it in their cells from their yes. ancestors and 
you're awakening that within them. I do believe that we're, it's a remembering. I don't, you know, uh, I just don't, it doesn't make sense to me. I have found people who are problematic, but when I find that I usually look at what is that problem rest in me, but it's also in them. And I can either help them to modify that, if not get rid of it or wish them well on their way um, because they have their journey. But it's, it's really an important that um, we don't dismiss each other because we are human and yet we have to keep going on our journey and spreading that light. And so that's why I, at this point, I just feel it's just so incredibly important. Um, and I, I have to tell you, there's a couple of things that have come up in this year. Um, I, you, you'll need to let me know about time. We're doing okay. I'll, I'll, I'll help. Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll guide <laughs> well, there's two really good things that it's big things that happen for me. So I want people to know that when I, when I talk, sometimes when people think, when you're talking about inclusion, somehow in people's mind, because the individuality has been taught so strongly, they think, well, I'm going to lose out. I'm going to lose out. What about my oh, dreams? And I didn't realize I just, that. Yeah, they do. People they connect have that. that lack, that fear so, comes up. Yeah, that fear is fear of me is in we. I it's not in we, <laughs> so we, it's there, but I wanted to tell about a dream because I believe in dreams. I was raised just dreams. I, I knew in age, by age three and four, I was already having a dream that I knew my, whatever I did when I grew up is going to connect hearts all over the world. And lo and behold, you know, this very economically poor girl in a black neighborhood growing up ended up going right through a PhD. And by my early twenties, I'm in Singapore you know, and I'm working with people all over the world, um, consulting and training and stuff. But one oh, of wow, my dreams, you've been doing it a long time, a lot, a very long, 47 years. So oh one God. of my dreams, my, one of my dreams from, it must've been a 12 or 15 years ago, there was a picture in the New York times or something. And it talked about this place. Sir Richard Branson on his private Island built this, um, elders council. And he would bring President Mandela, Bishop Tutu, Tutu Kofi Annan, you know, and women. He would bring the elders and they would sit there in circle. And then business leaders, government leaders, and him, they would sit on the outside. And for days, the inner circle would be in silence and then talk. And I said to my husband, who's also a partner in, partner in my business, said, you know, one day I would love to be there. I want to be in that energy. Well, in March... I got a, a text saying an invitation to come to this place called Necker Island. I was like, what is that? And then my husband looks at me and goes, that's Sir Richard Branson's island. And I went, oh, huh. And well, they want me to go when I'm supposed to be doing a little bit something with my son. So I can't go the whole time. I'll go part of the time. He goes, Anita, I think this is something you should say no. So I went and it was a good thing I went. It was, I had a beautiful experience and everything. But as I, my first day morning, I spoke two mornings. The first morning, I, they take me into this open um, place and there's beautiful big couches and it's just wonderful. And there are about 30 business leaders there. And I go to front and I look and I'm about to speak and I just, I can't. And I, there was something, I was felt being held behind me and all around me. And I turned and there was pictures of President Mandela and Bishop Tutu and Kofi and on. This is the place where they spoke. This was the elder council. I forgot, I forgot about wanting that. So what I want to say to you too, in this time, whether you're an entrepreneur or leader of your life or a mother or father, whatever you, you, you're, you do, 
and B, it's important to dream because sometimes those dreams, we forget them and then they come back forward, up, up, like mine did. Sometimes we dream dreams and then we realize we need to dream new dreams, but you just don't know. But the dreaming is so important. Um, Michael Beckwith, a colleague of mine, uh, has always said, pain pushes till vision pulls. Well, clearly entrepreneurs, they have a vision. Clearly business, like clearly mothers and fathers, there's a vision for this life they bring, you know, on and on and on. And so that's really important. So I just wanted to share that story because there's lots to share about it, but it was absolutely beautiful. And um, I, I'm so grateful that it allowed this dream to come forward and to get filled with that energy. Um, so that was really great. And then the other thing I wanted to share is this summer, uh, I was doing ceremony for a young group of leaders, everything from hard science and education to the arts and entertainment. It's called Walking Softer Foundation. And they fund 12 young people between 20 and 38 every year. They're, they're young. They just started this, the second year of this foundation. And they support them in what they're doing. And and they significant funding. You can look them up if you want, but it's, it's uh, very helpful and help them with mentors and do all this thing to get them going further. And um, when I went, I had seen much information or the young people that were awarded it. And when I went, I looked, I went, Oh my gosh, this is an inclusion leader because they were diverse in every way you can imagine from look to gender on the gender spectrum, all different ways. Um, and all the different sectors they were in. And it was powerful to see those sectors not separated. So academia is talking to entrepreneurs, talking to people in education who are doing, and it was just beautiful. So I wanna say this coming together, this is part of this time. Indigenous people from all over the world, we're bringing together our medicine and, and meeting with Zoom and makes it a little easier. Uh, however, this is happening across all different sectors and in business as well. So please dream, dream, dream and share those dreams. Once you put something out, whether it's just a thought, but clearly with words, you can't take it back. That's a good thing. Now, if you put out something bad, you can't take that back either, but you can put out a new healthy, life-giving things. So do that. Um, anyway, thank you for letting me share those two things. I was just, I my feeling is that we don't hear enough of the good things that are happening. And there's lots of those. Again, I'm never into spiritual bypass where we deny our, the earthly things are happening. We need to address those. But we always address them with the wholeness of who we are, which is that dream part of us that spiritual mental emotional and physical all of it and then then magic happens then we're able to bring forward what we want for our children our children's children and for other species children as well yeah so beautiful thank you for sharing and i've always been a fan of sir richard branson so oh, it's really? amazing that you got invited there well because i'm an entrepreneur and, yeah it makes sense yeah he's amazing know, <laughs> and and you know i just i just feel like the creative energy that he's put out and everything and so i had a dream to meet him and so what I did was mm. I did meet him a couple of oh, times. Good. I went, I like went to one of his galas for like a nonprofit for a Moroccan foundation. Good. 
Hey, <laughs> you're, you're making your, you're manifesting your dream. We have to step yeah. in and say yes to our dreams. And you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I did, but I, I love in your story, how you had this dream and you kind of let it go I in your conscious mind. Yeah. You forgot about it, but what almost, I felt like it was almost like your destiny. Like you were being prophetic. You were maybe seeing your future. <laughs> so you never know. It's yeah. like your, your dream could be you actually, this is your future self. And, and it was your time yes. and you had completely let it go. And like, and I feel like that really helps in manifesting too. It probably did. It probably did. Because the other thing is whenever we grab hold of whether it's holding on to a suffering. Um, and I understand suffering because I've had suffering in my life, abuse and and the murder of my father. So I want people oh. to hear like, this isn't just somebody who's like, oh, she had it so good. Oh, wow. No, we all have suffering. So I remember there was a time, especially young, where I just thought, no, this is who I am. It's like, no, that's not who you are. That's what you went through. That's the, and that, is something you needed to let go, to forgive yourself, to be able to be in unity, to, to use your energy for what you want to create, not for holding on to that. But it's also true of good things. So some people hold on to, I just had this top experience and I want to have another one. And I went, and it's like, no, no, no. You gratitude, thank you, let it go and be open. Other things come. And I'm actually do not wish the the suffering I had on anyone. However, I don't know the things that I learned about compassion and empathy and forgiveness of myself, the forgiveness of the murderer of my father. I mean, some things that people think are unforgivable. I don't know if I would have learned those in such a deep way, except for what I had gone through. So, so I, I, there's a whole thing called post-traumatic growth. And we, we talk about the traumas all the time now, and we need to, because we need to release those. But we need, we also, and we also need to be talking about what is the post-traumatic growth that happens? And we can help manifest the post-traumatic growth as well. And that's then, I feel like those of us who are very big on compassion and empathy, um, conscious action, you know, love and care, we use those four letter words, even in business and other places <laughs> that those are really critical and, and those are life-giving and that's what we want. We want thriving, thriving people, society, world. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the things that you went through and of course you just said it briefly, um, but I'm sure at the time, incredibly yeah. painful and hard and it could have helped shape you to take on who you are today. To absolutely. Grow into the incredible teacher that you are. Yeah, no, I absolutely. And I think that's part of, um, that's part of why I'm a writer too, because I, I needed to write this. Um, you know, some family members say, oh, you're going to tell those horrible. I was like, no, I'm going to tell the story, the truth, but also the post-traumatic growth that happened. And you know, if we don't do the healing and stuff, I'll just use like the murder of my father. He was mistaken for, in the 60s, I was a black man. He was very dark complected. And a black man and a white man were having a fight at a, a bar, a corner bar around from our house. And my father was an alcoholic. And after work every day, he would go have one a beer before he came home. He went there. 
the white man returned and just saw the profile and shot two bullets through his head and killed him on the spot. I was 13. My brothers and sisters were from age nine to 18. And so that, that was a profound change, but something happened to me then, even though my mother said, you know, all white men murdered your father, not the white race. Uh, there are systemic things. She showed us in the newspaper, how they showed my father all bloody. And she goes, no, they'd never show a white person like this in Kansas City, but mm. for us, they would. She um, was making you yeah, aware she was making, of how yeah. they try to divide us. Yes, yes. But, yeah, but then what I realized later was I'm doing inclusion leadership and I'm out and I really believe in it. And I'm doing that, but I start hearing circles because I put people in circles, white people, and they share their dreams. They share what they've been taught. Um, and I was hearing them. And I do the same thing with people of color, but I was hearing white people say that some of their parents did teach them that they were better than people who look like me or black people and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but I, they, I, they love their parents, but they didn't, they don't, they're not following that. They're doing something yes. different. And yes. a year I mean, that's hearing, scary to talk about, you know, yeah, in this world to say like, it you is, know, but what as a white is, person, we were taught that we were better. Yes, but see, when we are willing to be vulnerable, yes, I'm not talking about where you're going to get abused by somebody, but we're willing to speak your truth. And we set up the system so that they could be safe and saying what they had to say and be heard. What I realized is I started dreaming this whole thing of what happened to my father and the wife and the son who came visit us the week after. And the mother came because she said he would never have killed her husband would never have killed my father. If he knew he was Mexican and Indian, he thought he was black. And you know how black people are and they're terrible. And she started saying all this stuff. Oh, my God. Mom told her, get off the porch. She would pray for her, but she needed to go away. But what happened to me, because I was there, I took that in, in an unconscious belief. So even though I'm trying to build inclusion leadership, there was a part of me that thought, oh, be careful, because white people, they could murder you. White people could. Yeah. And here's what happened. The dream came and I could see everything but the white boy's face because she was there with her son who was somewhere mine. But as I kept dreaming the dream, his face got clearer and clearer. To this day, I know if I ever ran into him, I would know who he is. And I would say to him, I hope you have a good life. Because what I realized I was doing, it was horrific what happened. However, I took away that little boy's humanity. I literally wiped away his face because of my own fear of, and my own pain and hurt. So when I hear people lose loved ones and they, it's suffering, it's hard. However, get to the place where they go, I forgive the perpetrator. I forgive and really mean that and forgive themselves, forgive them even. I had to forgive myself was hard. Like, oh my gosh, I was becoming exactly what I didn't want to be. I took away his humanity. And it was the white people in the circle. I think I got that because, yeah, they were owning. This is true what they were taught, but that they but they were doing something different. And shouldn't we all have that opportunity, right? That's what, you know, so take suffering and that and transform it to where it you become an even better. And I'm not denying and we stop those horrible things from happening in any way we can too, in any positive, life-giving way we can. So thank you for letting me say that. Because sometimes when I interview, people will go, wow, you're so lucky you've traveled all over the world and you started doing that so young and you're a PhD. I don't have any of that. But that doesn't mean that's my whole life. You know, family of eight, we were in two rooms. Um, when we went moved into a house, 
that was 1,100 square feet with eight of us. That was like a mansion. And, you know, and when my father died, I did lie about my age and I started working at age 13 and uh, to save money. And luckily I'm book smart. So I could go to school and I started at 16 because we, I couldn't waste time. So wow. I started. What was your first job? Uh, my first job was Macy's department store. I was a flyer. So whenever a department got busy, I would come in and help. And I was really good at it. So that in within a year, I got made a manager of the flyers because I could train them real fast. And I was always fearful. Oh my gosh, they're going to find out I lie. And I'm only 14 now, you know, or something. But it turns out I said this story in a, an organization about 12, 15 yeah. years ago. And a guy comes up to me and said, hey, you know, I created the flyer, uh, that whole program for Macy's oh. out of New York. And then we put it out to all of our Macy's stores. And I said, oh my gosh, I knew I'd be found out one day. And he goes, no, I'm really glad you told that story. And um, I I would want you for an employee. Oh, that's <laughs> it's so very beautiful. nice. Of that's a major synchronicity. Isn't that a beautiful, like God wink there? That's yeah. so awesome. Um, so uh, one more question. I had a lot of questions about the ancestors, but this is like a, you know, this whole conversation was meant to be in a flow that was beautiful uh -huh. and, and really sharing from your heart, your authenticity and your true life. So I was wondering how can connecting with our ancestors help us be successful in life? It does. For many of us that are here, and I would say it really is all of us, but I always give the possibility. Um, there are few not. We're the dream. We're the result of a dream from before. Now, some people say, well, I'm actually a result of some pain that happened before. Okay, but even in that life-seeking life, you're here. So even if you don't, so now I'm speaking to white people, because for many of us indigenous people, not all, but many of us, we kept it with our lineage. Um, but for many European, especially European Americans, they're like, I don't know. I don't I don't know anything about my relatives, maybe the country, but I, you know, we don't do anything. We came here and they didn't tell any stories, they didn't care about that. But that doesn't mean you can't learn things. So you can still go and look up more. You can even just dream. So before I go to sleep at night, if there's some major issue, I actually get a lot of my good designs for business when I go to sleep and I don't charge them for that time, but it is great. I get great things and I'll just ask the answers like in my sleep, when my mind is out of the way, mm. please bring to me the images, the messages that could be of service. And, um, and I get those and I'm really committed to knowing about my ancestor who did good things and did bad things. And I want to do, you know, be a life giving force. So, but again, it comes forward. So please, at night, especially, I'm going to encourage you to ask, and it may not happen right away, but if you keep asking, I get notes from people and go, oh my gosh, I had this. It was so real. I said, well, I don't know if it's real or not, but if it's got a message that sounds good, like good medicine, try it. And, um, and sure enough, the ancestors are there supporting us. They oh. always are. And, um, and then you don't ever know. I just have to say this because I did 23andMe during COVID and I learned that I am half indigenous, but I thought all of it came from Mexico, Nahuatl people, uh, Aztecan, but it turned out not. A friend did all the numbers behind the 23andMe and she goes, you are half indigenous, but only 24% of you is Nahuatl, uh, of your 100%, so half of you. I said, where's the other? 
They said, well, there's a desert tribe. We can't find the DNA, but it's a desert tribe you're a part of. She goes, but sit down. 17% of you is from the Amazon. And I said, oh my gosh. She goes, yes, Anita. And you've been going there you because you share stories. You go to the Amazon, you take business people there once a year since 2007. And you felt at home in this very different place in the middle of the sacred headwaters of the Amazon in Ecuador. And it turns out that's part of my ancestors. And I have to just believe, isn't it curious that I've been doing that for some years now, taking people there. And I'll go again next year in May. And um, so dream, dream away, ask for help. It's, it's we're, we're meant to ask and you will find, you will get some answers. You'll have, they will respond. Wonderful advice. It's been such a pleasure connecting with you, hearing your story. And Dr. Anita Sanchez's book is called The Four Sacred Gifts. I highly recommend that you buy her book. So I'll put her website and how to reach out to her in the show notes. And maybe your Amazon trip will be available to people. I don't know. I'm sure it'll sell out. But thanks for joining me on the Zen Success Show, Dr. Sanchez. And thank you. And thank you all who are watching and listening. Um, Wishing you well. Peace, all my precious relations. That's it for today's episode of Zen Success. Head on over to iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you listen to shows. Zen Success is also available on the radio in select markets through amfm247.com. Subscribe to the show and share with friends. Be sure to head on over to zensuccessshow.com to help you on your Zen Success journey. And join us on the next episode. May you find your own Zen Success in life.